My name is Matt Kierkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News, and as ever, well, actually not as ever, I'm welcoming back my good friend, colleague, and all-round good beer guy, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back. Thanks, Matt. As as mostly, I think it is, to be fair. You know, we're, go on holiday for one week. Oh, that, well, that we both missed last week because we were we were both in the in the throes of, uh, I guess, keeping an even keel family side wise. Um, and, and having a little bit of time off. So it was a little bit impractical to, to get a episode up last week, listeners, so apologies for that. But we've got a cracker for you this week. Yeah, yeah, well, we, we do have a cracker. But my dad, I guess your holiday, judging by your Facebook page, was very much about beer and beer tourism. And uh, uh, so, so, so no, much... That, no, Matt, that was, that was very much about uh, keeping my accountant and the tax office uh, happy when I go to uh, claim half the accommodation and travel costs and that sort of thing. Here's the evidence. <laughs> yes, yes. No, look, I, I'm thinking of actually putting Love out a work. book on how, how to get away with beer tourism um, under the guise of a family holiday. It can be done, um, uh, but, but it's all about balance. But I did get to... It look, is. the last time I was down in Tassie was uh, about three years ago, I think, for... Um, remember back in the days when Cascade used to do the first Harvest Ale? Oh. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, last time I was down there was, I think, 2012 or 13 for... Um, for the first harvest and uh, a, a, I guess a blossoming beer scene down there um, in uh, in Tassie but this time around it's it's just gone absolutely nuts um, got to visit some some new breweries uh, but also there's a I guess it's easier to find craft beer outside of the um, the breweries as well which was very pleasing yeah restaurants and bars and and cafes uh, seem to have embraced it um, fairly quickly which is good yeah, I mean, it, it, it's changed a lot, but I mean, you, you did raise the point about the Cascade um, First Harvest, which, again, you know, I was lucky enough to um, have been down, invited down by CUB um, back in the days that they used to... <laughs> invite uh, us anywhere. Invite us anywhere. Well, that said, we seem to have uh, got that relationship on an even keel at the moment. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, and what my first ever trip to a hop um, field was you know, going down for the first harvest uh, brewing process. And, uh, you know, that was probably eight or nine years ago. Um, and it was, it, it really was the most amazing experience. And so I've always had a, a very soft, uh, you know, a, a, well, a, a soft spot for the, the first harvest because of that. But it was also, it was one of the first, first harvest beers um, that I can recall being made. Um, it was certainly, I think, one of the, 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 the first, big ones in Australia, and there weren't too many um, globally before that. And we, we spoke to one of the guys. Uh, in fact, we posted an article um, in the past, uh, and I might, uh, uh, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, um, about how they came up with the idea for it. And it was initially, they were thinking of something that they could do that was about beer, that would get people interested in beer. And it was going to start off being something along the lines of the um, Beaujolais Nouveau race, where I think when Beaujolais is released in the breweries in France, it's raced down to see if you can have their first, um, the, the, the first on sale in Paris. Uh, I Correct, listeners uh, phone in or write in and uh, correct me if I'm wrong about that. And they, so they were going to uh, load a, a car load of hops, get it on the Spear of Tassie, drive it up to um, Sydney and then brew quickly with it. And then they suddenly realised, well, hold on, we've got this great brewery in Tasmania, why don't we just do that? And it, it came out of that idea. And I think it was released at about the same time that the Cascade Four Seasons range came out. Um, and the Cascade Four Seasons range, 
only last only had the one in, in incarnation, um, but the first harvest kept going. Um, yeah, pretty sure the the autumn the autumn uh, seasonal um, was the first kind of experimentation of a fresh hop uh, beer, and then the next year it was it it was um, um, first, first harvest. harvest. That could, Which that I think could was, I think might have been 1999, might have been the first one. I just uh, visited the brewery and um, and had a look at the display that they've got there, which is, unfortunately is all that's left of the first harvest, it would it would appear. Um, and I'm pretty sure there was a 99 or a 98 in there. I mean, I'm doing all that history. I hadn't prepared to talk about this, but so I'm doing it all from memory. But I'll certainly post some links um, in, in the show notes to it. But it, it is one of those examples where, you know, CUB... Um, one of the big brewers has done something that's genuinely interesting and genuinely about beer and about provenance, and you, you can't criticise them for that. You know, these days, so far as um, flavour went, um, the, the beer was uh, a little bit... Uh, well, it, it was targeted at a mainstream market. It certainly wasn't, you know, highly hopped or anything like that, but it did show the nuance that came from fresh hops. But it was one of those cases where CUB was again out ahead of the marketplace doing something that was genuinely about beer, but they just don't seem to have managed to get traction on it. And uh, it's fallen by the wayside. And, you know, you could say the same thing about a lot of the Matilda Bay beers um, that were out there for a long time. And they just didn't seem to know how to build the relationships or build the, um, you know, with, with, with trade or, you know, activate those beers in the marketplace, you know, in a way that was meaningful. And it, it, it's something that I just don't understand because CUB does come up with some great beers and some great ideas. But, you know, some things like Fat Yak just seem to take off, you know, that they are, that they capture that lightning in a bottle when it's the, the brand and the, the marketing and the beer all coincide. But when they do things that are genuinely beer quality, they do seem to struggle um with really firing it because and yeah I, I, I look i've got my thoughts about why that might be but it's it's I, I just think it's a shame that that beer has uh has fallen by the wayside yeah well last year's was um was keg only and then this year they've um air quotes uh, rested it so yeah. it'd be nice to think that it does come back but I, I i don't hold high hopes um particularly having visited um cascaders i do every time i go to tassie and just being really disappointed and i uh in an interesting segue to what we're going to talk about next, got an um, uh, email this morning from uh, Luke Robertson, who was down in Tassie recently. Luke, a uh, friend from um, Ale of a Time, and also we should point out the uh, the current the current um, you know flag holder, the current uh, champion, um, media uh, AIBA um, media trophy holder. Um, he yeah sort of said, it was just very disappointed. As as was I with the range, um, or, you know, you call it a range um, of you know eight or nine beers, which apart from the stout, all are pretty much the same beer. Um, but they've also just seemed to have let the um, there was a constant stream of um, uh, brewery tours, twenty twenty five people at a time on the hour every hour, because uh, we 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 stay about a, a ten minute walk up the hill up Mount Wellington from, from the brewery. So every time we come into town, you, you're passing these people crossing the road or going in and out of the, the brewery in their high-vis vest doing the, the tour, which is great. But they just seem to have let the visitor centre in terms of the, um, the food offering there has just kind of been dumbed down to a, to a, a price rather than, you know, a quality, uh, up to a quality, um, compared to... And, and all the family mentioned, you know, it, it was just disappointing compared to, to previous visits. Um, so I despair. I just wonder, you know, what's what's next for Cascade. 
And in the past, it has been a beautiful, um, you know, it really has been, it, it, the, the brewery itself is just the most scenic. And we, I think we talked with Charlie Bamforth about this, or we spoke we spoke with one of our recent guests. I think it was Charlie about Pete, whether Pete it was Brown. the most scenic brewery in the world. Oh, Pete Brown, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it to be is fair, just, you know, the, yeah, the, the facade is lovely. It's look. There's still a lot of new, newish stainless steel, you know, behind that. But there are still some parts of the old brewery that are, that have been left intact. But even the gardens, um, I just felt it just they just let it go a little bit. It just, you know, perhaps we, we just caught them on a bad, a uh, bad week. I don't know. Hmm. But it is a shame. But I, to to me, that's symptomatic of CUB's approach. You know, and the they used to have a really good um, visitor centre in. At Yadala, Yadala um, yeah, in, yep. at the Yadala Brewery, um, you know, and it, it was a standard brewery tour where you just get to see, you know, big. Everything is big. They throw a lot of big figures at you. You get to try the beers. You know, You've got seven seven in, miles you know, of, of bottling line and all that sort of thing, which all six looks hectares of warehouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we stopped making beer today, we would still have six weeks worth of beer sitting here at the, you know, all, all of those big numbers, um, which again, to just to divert from that. Um, you know, it is always interesting that you go there and they want to tell you everything, how big they are and how massive they are. And yet, in all of their advertising these days, they seem to be wanting to make themselves as small as possible um, because big is no longer sexy. But um, they, they closed that down again. You know, it, it, they had a really good tour. It was a really nice venue. They tried to do the food offering because it didn't ignite. Um, you know, they, they, they don't seem to be all of that good at cultivating and slow growth. They want things they sort of... Or getting the right people to, to run those areas that perhaps aren't there. I don't know, lease it out or, I don't know, do, do something. But maybe, look, maybe it's just not... I, I don't know what they're going to do with Cascade, though, because it is such a... You know, we, we throw the word heritage around, but but that's 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 all it's got. Yeah, and... But, it, I mean, it, that attitude um, expands wide. I mean, I, God, we, we hadn't planned on talking about any of this, um, but... That attitude expands quite widely uh, across the business. I understand it was interesting. I don't know if you saw the uh, the well outrage in inverted commas, um, probably double inverted commas, um, that uh, J- uh, Justin Helms, the Sydney hotelier, um, oh okay, yeah, because yeah. he's banning banning VB. No, 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 not not no, including it on the list. It's not the same as banning it. <laughs> yeah, go, yeah. Go, and, go up to the pub up the road and you'll find they've banned Forex. You know. <laughs> yeah, but you know it was interesting. So yeah, he's got a contract, but he still had four pine. You know, he had a contract with Lion, but he still yeah. had a, a number of craft brewers. You know, local craft yep. brewers, which is really exciting. Um, but he made the point. You know, when I started, uh, ho- you know, as a hotelier or you know running pubs, you know, ten fifteen years ago, I went to CUB and they wanted to tell me what to put on. You know, they were very prescriptive about what yeah. beers had to go on. And I, I, I hear that regularly from um, you know publicans who are opening up, and they may go like a fifty you know fifty percent contract with their taps. Um, and the CB guys come in and want pure blonde, they want a fat yak, they want this cider, and they want um, you know what whatever is the flavour of the month on. And then they want to tell you what to have on the other taps in, in competition. Whereas the lion guys will say, well, yeah, here's our portfolio. Tell us what you want. And yeah. you know, so you, you can pick white rabbit, you can pick whatever. Um, and I had hang that on, Hang on, with... Matt, Meadows, Meadows, the listeners are six-pack. That's your phone going it's off on... in the background, isn't it? I can it's hear on it. silent. It's on silent. Yeah, well, I can hear it through my very good uh, Rode microphone, my podcaster. 
<laughs> Sorry about that. I had to switch. Well, it was on silent. It was vibrating. Um, so still a six pack. Okay, mate. Okay. Um, so yeah. So so you do do hear that. Whereas line are much more you know soft hands in their approach. They'll still take a contract, but they'll be much more soft hands. And to me, that says a lot. No, I had a, this chat to Tim Abadi once, um, and yeah, pointed this out. And he said, "So well, you know, we know that if they put Peroni on." They're going to sell more Peroni than they do of Alpha Pale Ale or, if they, or, or the other beers they put on. And I, I tried to explain to him that that's not the point. Um, the brewery is, you know, the, the, the bar isn't a bar that wants to have Peroni on because that is a signal about, you know, having Peroni on is a signal about what that bar is. And they would much rather choose some of them, you know, like Alpha Pale Ale or Redback. Um, rather than Peroni, even if they would sell more money through that, through more beer through that tap. And I, I could understand his point, but at the same time, it's, it, it is very prescriptive. Um, and so you don't see many smaller bars, you know, working with CUB um, and, and putting their beers on, you know, through the Matilda Bay beers. And to me, that's a big reason why Matilda Bay just hasn't fired because you only ever see it in the big... Um, you know, the, the really, yeah, the, the, the big corporate pubs, um, which, and, and you know, generally, you know, if they've got Apple Pale on, they're not selling a lot of it. Um, but you, you're not getting out and reaching that point into the beer market with beers that are fantastic. I mean, you and I have both been big fans of Alpha Pale Ale and Dog Bolter and Dog Bolter, Redback. Yeah. Redback, yep. Yeah. Um, and anyway, yeah. So, but to, to, to me, that's just one of the the things. But you know. Maybe we'll get. Um, I'll be wanting to have a chat to Scott Vincent um, about the McCrackens and uh, find out a little bit about you know how they developed the recipe about that, which is probably a nice segue into the next one, because you mentioned that uh, Luke, you got an email from Luke and that he's a friend of the uh, uh, podcast, but is he still prof? Because yeah, apparently um, you we, we have smoked we, we have smoked the peace pipe and we have shared the um, bottle of peace beer. Okay. Yeah, no, 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 no. There was nothing. There was there was nothing there. It, it, it did. Um, for those who, who don't know, yeah, I um, I posted. Um, uh, let's call it a rant. Um, and... Shall I read it out, Prof? Oh, please, Matt. <laughs> Sorry, I've just got to find it now. But uh... Uh, I've got mm. it here. An interesting. So this was uh, an amber ale from Melbourne's long defunct McCracken City Brewery. Is the latest beer to be released by Company United Breweries under its Heritage Brands program. I shared that post. Uh, with the little uh, box at the top, an interesting move and sublimely timed. Wonder how the market will react. That's the actual market, not the inverted commas craft beer bubble telephone booth gang, uh, close brackets, who will no doubt go into head up ass uh, overdrive. Uh, thanks for that one, Brendan Varis. Uh, assuming that the player is going to play, 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 and the hater is going to hate, 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 hate. Which I thought, really, like, I got a little bit. Oh, uh, and, and I should hammered, say that you had. You, you had Luke was the only one who actually, your... um, you know. Who, who name checked Tay Tay? <laughs> but but you I'm had to. It's um... great, great for Tay Tay. So and I thought getting some <laughs> Taylor Swift lyrics in there that was that was um, some of my best work. I didn't. I I hundred uh, percent hashtag old man Facebook fail. Um, then couldn't work out how to delete the post or edit it um, before <laughs> before because the reaction started coming in. That was supposed you, to go well, on my had... Facebook page. Yeah, you had meant to post it on your personal page, which would have been yes. to a much smaller subset. Um, yeah, and, and also uh, the rule being here at, at 
Bruce News that if anyone does do something like, you know, put an opinion in a, uh, uh, as a preface to a piece, that in brackets we put our PM or our MK or our JA. So, so that people know, know who to get angry at. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that if the dog keeps biting all the time, then when somebody visits, they're going to assume the dog's going to bite. But um, a lot of people did assume that was you, Matt. Yes, yes. So the well, automatic reaction. So I kind of look. Everyone knows I don't mind uh, pulling the pin, tossing the hand grenade in, shutting the door. But I always come back to see what's happened. I, I did not mean um, I was then out of radio range after we um, unfortunately so I, I wasn't able to sort of to follow up on all the um, the uh, the feedback. Um, but normally I, I do open it. the door to see what it's, to, to see what's happened. And this time I our, I didn't. Our editor was very quick. James Atkinson was oh, very quick. Yeah, thanks uh, for your support, James. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm going to drop this like a hot spud. <laughs> He was very quick to wait in to say, uh, no, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it was Pete. So, and I... Uh... And fair enough. Look, I, I, can I cover up a couple of a couple of quick points on it? Um, yep. For those like Steve Coughlin who, who suggested that this craft beer bubble is the one that we primarily, um, or, sorry, fairly and squarely, unquote, um, pitch our, our show at, I, I totally disagree with that. And maybe I need to qualify the the um the craft beer bubble telephone gang it's 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 not other writers it's not people who write about craft beer it's it's a very it's a telephone booth gang it's that's kind of there's only a very small amount of them at the end of the day they might make a lot of noise but you could fit them all in a telephone booth right um and it's not it's the ones who i criticize for saying things like when there's a and in this instance what what brought it on you know we're writing about a beer that cub has brought out heritage, good, bad, indifferent, doesn't matter because they're the ones who come out and they say all their beers are shit. Um, I wouldn't unclog a dunny with their beers. Rather than explaining what, you know, putting it into some context or giving us an opinion or backing that up with some sort of, you know, thoughtful analysis. So to all those who do thoughtful analysis, not talking about you, the defence rests. Is that enough? Do I get out of yeah, it? Mate. I'm just quite happy that it's not me that's uh, getting the slings for a change. You know. So, um, so, so, no, so, um, so Luke, uh, to follow that up, um, Luke on his... Um, oh, and also Luke, I don't know whether it's a New Zealand thing, but that's twice he's used the Paul McCracken, mate. It's not Paul McCracken, it's Phil McCracken. It's, it's the mate of Ben. Bend over. Bend over and Phil McCracken. Now he's used the... Well, so I don't know whether it's a New Zealand expression. To say Paul McCracken, because he's Paul used McCracken. that as a, as, yeah, I don't know. I've always had it as Phil McCracken. <laughs> Either yeah, way, but yeah, Luke did did note in his in his blog post, and, and Luke and I get along fine, and, and we both do use a bit of tongue in cheek. So I've I've um, flicked an email off to him, which has been very kindly uh, and timely uh, responded to in a timely manner. Um, that it was interesting that the gang over at Bruce News anticipated reactions such as mine. Well, no, and, and I've just said to Luke, no, uh, your reaction, I, I value his words and his work because, as I just pointed out, Luke will, uh, we may have a difference of, of opinion, but when we write either publicly or, publicly or speak privately, we will back up our, our opinion with, you know, some thoughtful analysis. But I did like the way that, you know, um, he mentioned the Taylor Swift lyrics. So there we go. yeah. Oh, there, there you go. But uh, you know, it, it, this um, 
uh, and I'll, I'll link to his post. And there was also another one on uh, Beer is Your Friend talking about rewriting history. And the tenor of both of them seem to be suggesting that if CUB are going to bring back a, you know, inverted commas, heritage beer, yeah. that they need to bring back the original beer. Um, and that there is some disappointment um, or, you know, uh, and I don't want to be, go, please, listeners, go and read the post yourself because I don't want to be accused of putting words in their mouths because of my paraphrasing. But what I took from them is that, you know, if you're going to brew beers from 100 years ago, um, and, and both of the, the blog posts I cited, um, cited the Peter Simons book um, that we've done a podcast yeah. with Peter, um, Bronze the Bruce. Bronze Bruce. Um, Yep, saying that the recipes are there, CUB should go back and make these beers because if you're going to bring back a heritage brand, um, you know, brew it the way it was 100 years ago or don't bother doing it at all. Um, which, you know, look, I... I, 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 I take that point I, uh, and that's a, that's a valid uh, opinion. I, look, I, I get that point. But... Are you thinking, though, that like if Holden was going to bring out a, a heritage, um, you know, Commodore... Does it have to kind of have a, uh, you know, I don't know, a two-stroke combustion yeah, engine the, with, you know, with a man out the front with the waving the red flag and the lantern? Are we allowed to draw on the heritage and, and, and brew a homage, if you like, to a particular beer without it necessarily, you know? Because, yeah. Beer, yeah, no, look, it's I, evolving. It's a dynamic process. Be- because nobody, literally, you know, apart from people who just really want to experience something once, nobody is going to drink a beer like it tasted 100 years ago, which is one of the reasons that beers have evolved. And, you know, like Forex, uh, you know, Forex Bitter Ale, the, the full strength one, tastes nothing like it did 20 years ago. You know, it is it is very different to how it was 20 years ago. And oh, as does CB. Dip, yeah, even, different even again to how it was. Ale is probably different again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Cooper's Pale Ale is probably a little, it's only a relatively new beer anyway. Um, it's a Cooper Sparkling. Oh, sorry, the Sparkling. Um, I should have said. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, 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 it's got an unbroken lineage, but it still tastes very different to how it would have a hundred years ago. And yet, no one criticizes Cooper's for just you know they're selling this beer that you know is a heritage brand when it tastes nothing like it did a hundred years ago. Um, you know, and Cooper's. Uh, so CUB did brew a. A beer. They dug out some of the old brewers' logs and they brewed a beer um, as a special um, heritage brew about a, a twelve or eighteen months ago. I can't even remember what it was called, but it was brought out as a you know like a one-off limited edition where they used you know old brown sugar and you know. Was some that the, of the older... pale ale? Which one are you talking about? The I don't. I look. I can't remember what it was. I, I did try. They, they, there have been a couple of cracks at brewing old beers, and they really have a tang to them that, to modern palates, is unpleasant. Um, and, and to, to say that you can only brew a heritage beer um, that tastes like it did a hundred years ago is, you know, like it, it's a little, it, with, with all respect to people who hold that view, I think it is a little bit disingenuous, disingenuous because, you know, no beers that we drink, saisons that we drink now don't taste like they did, you know, at the start of the 19, you know, hundreds. No, no, yeah, it, yeah, they're not three and a half percent, you know, quaffers. Yeah, um, so, you know, like, I understand, and instinctively, I feel the same. That you have this distrust, and you know, I've I've obviously taken the you know the long stick to uh, the long handle to CUB over some of their marketing, where I have felt that the marketing of the beer hasn't matched what the beer is. And you know, like 
Crown yeah. lager, thyme is the fifth ingredient. No, cane sugar is the fifth ingredient. Um, if, if, if thyme in whatever extended brewing that you do is such a small part of it that it is dodgy. And, you know, I, I, I've had a go at them and I've had a go at them when they brought back Belimba Gold Top, um, you know, as a cynical marketing, ex- what I consider cynical marketing exercise. These days, um, and, and Luke made reference to some quotes um CB's intellectual property manager, Matthew O'Keefe, um, who I've met, you know, and uh, is a really nice guy. And, you know, as far as I can establish, you know, from my conversations with CUB, um, and this is meant to be an entirely CB podcast, but, you know, they are actually trying to go back and rediscover their history where they've made a complete balls up. And they, you know, fully admit that they have made balls up um, of their history in the past. But they have now, you know, a guy like Matthew O'Keefe, who is very sincere and very uh, serious, you know, going and working with the people that research their history and trying to understand, you know, some of these old brands. But they're also not coming out and saying, we have brewed a beer that is the same as it was. Um, because, you know, beer tastes have changed and, you know, they, they could bring it out, but it would be pointless. But they are brewing a beer that um, is very different. You know, if you brought the beer that they're selling as McCracken's Ale out as, um, you know, uh, under the, the VB, or... yeah, or as VB, um, or under the VB range as VB extension, it just wouldn't fit because, you know, could it be an Ambiac? Much... It could be an Ambiac. Um, I, I don't know about that, but you know, people do have a love of heritage. People do have a love of you know that we I don't know what it is, but people have started you know going to things that have provenance and heritage, and you know you can say what you like about CUB killing off all of these brands and then uh, resurrecting them. Um, it, it, it is a marketing exercise, and you, and you can't get away from that. But I don't think you, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, to to then say well that if they bring it back, they need to brew beers the same way is probably a little bit you know um, unfair yeah. and. Have you tried the beer yet, Prof? Have you found no, it? I haven't one been of able to. No, because we, yeah, so it wasn't available on tap down in Tassie, and I haven't been able to get to the uh, Union Club Hotel uh, where it was where it was launched, where I would assume that it's uh, still. And look, I don't know. I, I haven't seen any other marketing for it, so perhaps, perhaps um, I don't know. Mate, drive past any pub in Melbourne, anyway, any that's completely bedecked in the Carlton Draft. You know, um, it'll be on. Livery, I'm sure, because that's okay. yeah, it's only going to be on at CUB pubs. But um, yeah, yeah, I will, I will try. Know. But look, at the end of the day, nostalgia ain't what it used to be. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and look, I, yeah. I, it is. And as I said, you know, like I, I don't want to put myself and cast myself in the role of defender of CUB or anything like that. But you know, I think yeah. Anyway, um, what's anything next? else we want to? Well, we we do have off. a great interview. Um, but is there anything else we want to talk about at this stage? I'm trying to think. Uh, Sydney Craft Beer Week uh, dates have been announced. Um, I don't think the full program is available as yet, but we're, um, we'll link to that in the show notes um, so that you can get onto the, the website and as, as uh, events become available. I think uh, applications are, are open for, uh, for events. And uh, as our guest who we're about to speak to uh, might, uh, without preempting what he might or might not say, um, I think he's probably going to note that um, Sydney uh, craft beer scene, since he was last there, uh, has uh, grown in leaps and bounds. And I think that's a that's a fair call. 
Well, yeah, I mean, we, we don't... Bruce News doesn't seem to register too much on the uh, Sydney Craft Beer Week radar for some reason. I don't know. We uh, we may have got a media release. We certainly uh, published something about it, but a couple of years ago, Sam Fletcher um, wrote what I thought was a, a very balanced... Um, you know, it, it, it was a very balanced review of Sydney Craft Beer Week as it was a couple of years ago. Um, and since then, we seem to have been persona non grata. Um, oh, okay. With, Oh, I wasn't aware of that. I don't, yeah, no, I mean, like, we, we Sorry don't... Sorry, guys, I'll stop talking about you if I'm, yeah, if we're... If oh, I no, realize no it. look, I, yeah, I, I don't know, it was, um, it was just we don't seem to have really featured in their media releases or, you know, we, we, we cover them, we, we do it, but, yeah, I, I don't know, anyway, it just seems to be... So I know nothing about the organisers or anything, or, and it may even be new organisers these days, but I just got the feeling that, you know, if you weren't rampantly, uh, you know... Uh, raving about what a fantastic thing it was, um, then they didn't want to uh, have anything to do with you. So, and that's yeah. Anyway, right. um, so craft beer week is on, and the the, the dates are certainly what about good beer uh, week. Good beer week is even closer. Let's talk about that. Good beer week is even closer. Um, now, this week uh, we published a story on Bruce News about the. Uh, oh, I need to go to Bruce News. Sorry about this, Lockie. Um, <laughs> just just like we did in rehearsal. What are you oh. <laughs> uh, Cut this bit out, Lucky. Yeah, making this up as you go along, listeners. This week we published a. <laughs> this week we published a story about Good Beer Week embracing Boilermakers, which was a sponsored post uh, because the Australian Brews News is sponsoring the Beer Gig Stream. Um, I actually had I actually had as my um, uh, my pick of the. Of the, if you had to pick one for the week out of the Beer Geek stream, um, and this is before I knew that um, that, that was a, a, a sponsored post, uh, was actually the one at Boilermaker House, the Feral HQ. Feral HQ. So in my pick of the week, uh, and you'll see it in the uh, the article that we're publishing later this week, is, or actually by the time this publishes, uh, by the time we publish this podcast, we'll probably have run, um, the Saison whiskey. So there's a bit of a theme uh, developing here. Saison, I have to say too, for one of the best value for money and most entertaining um, events in the, the Beer Geek stream uh, is the Grain and Grape uh, System Wars, which is being held this year at The Nest, um, Two Birds Brewing uh, out at, at Spotswood. So two very good reasons to get out there. One, because you get to go out and see the lovely Jane and her crew um, and the beautiful nest that is the Two Birds Brewing uh, home. Um, but the System Wars is just a, if you're a, any interest in, in brewing, of beer, whether you're a home brewer or you want to start doing it, for 22 bucks, it's a, I think it's a Sunday Sunday afternoon, the first Sunday of um, of Good Beer Week, uh, and brewing the same beer basically on different um, different systems. So it's a, it's a, it's a, and it's just a really interesting, um, as it's say, yeah, it, it's it's geekery, it's full on beer geekery, but that's why it's in the beer geek um, stream. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I'll be able to get along to that one. I'm probably not going to be able to spend quite as long the, the full week down there this week. But uh, certainly, listeners, if you are into your beer, beer, Good Beer Week is the place to be. Download the app now, which uh, is an excellent app, um, or get the guide or just uh, jump on the website, goodbeerweek.com.au. Or, or actually, goodbeerweek.com, I believe it is. Yeah, and uh, Australian Brews News is a very proud supporter of, um, of Good Beer Week for 2016 and the sponsor of the Beer Geek stream. Um, and yes, brewer, or actually probably brewers primarily, but anyone else uh, who has a serious interest in beer, we are on the Wednesday at the 
uh, Cryer Malt um, uh, Lounge. Eerie Lounge upstairs at Beer Deluxe. We're going to have a couple of live podcasts uh, on a really good, interesting range of topics, including uh, craft beer quality in you know the the, the secrets that happens. Uh, that happened to beer once it leaves the brewery and uh, you know whether beer drinkers are getting quality beer out of the taps in hotels and what brewers can do about that. But also a lot, a lot of interest share... being generated in that, Matt. There's yes, a lot of interest we're... being generated in that in that um, that concept of you know handing over stewardship of your beer uh, and then kind of rather than just hoping that the um, the venues then treat it the same way that you would treat it if it was on tap in your own brewery um, and and how we can perhaps go about ensuring that that happens more often. Yeah, yeah, and uh, look, I think it is a, an increasingly important one, and uh, we've had a few experiences recently, Prof, where beer has been you know, less than what it should be um, when it comes out of the tap, and there's a whole lot of, yeah. you know, a lot of reasons for that. So we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be having a look at, um, I'm trying to pull together the right panel for contracts, um, you know, uh, about whether tap contracts are an evil or an important business tool in the brewing industry. You know, we, we love to hate them when it's the big brewers, but we're seeing an increasing, there's, you know, there, there is a growing ruction happening in the uh, craft beer scene as some of the bigger small brewers start to have commercial arrangements with uh, various venues. And uh, what, what's, yeah. the difference, what's the difference, Matt, though, between a, a contract and a, um, a good business practice or a, a mutually beneficial um, business relationship? Come along uh, on the Wednesday of Good Beer Week and find out Peter Mitchum is my advice. So, yeah, probably, do you like, probably do like, enough. Do you, like the way, do you reckon we got away with that as a teaser? <laughs> no, that's gonna, no, it will be an interesting one. And I do hope that um, we've sent out a few uh, sort of, I guess, expressions of interest to, to see if somebody would like to come along and, and, um, and speak to either side. There's, there's plenty queuing up, I guess, who are, who, uh, are anti-contract. Um, hopefully, yeah, that'll be a, a, a very interesting discussion. So get along to it, listeners, and you'll find that listed, uh, all of those tickets listed on the Good Beer Week Beer Geek stream, which we'll link to in the show notes again. Um, now, Prof, maybe you can intro our guest today. Tell us a little, Tell us who we're speaking to. Uh, today, I've uh, managed to um, secure an exclusive interview with Andrew Childs, from, uh, who's a New Zealander, um, probably well-known to, I guess, some within the... Oh, geez, I won't say the telephone booth gang, but within, I guess, you know, uh, crappier circles. Um, he's, maybe, it's a hip, maybe he's known to be a hipster's prof. He could be. <laughs> he, he may be. I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know. So I don't know what a New Zealand um, hipster looks like. I wouldn't, he, he's not a, he's not a, he's not, a, certainly not Brunswick standard. So I don't know. But uh, top bloke, I've had the pleasure of, um, of catching up with him and chatting with him at Crappier College at, at Gabs the last couple of years. Um Gypsy Brewer, who has now gone out on his own, um, uh, it, it, with his own brand, um, Behemoth. And he, we're chatting with him because uh, in the near future, he will be bringing his beers into Australia. And, and then later on in the year, hopefully, uh, he'll be telling us all about his plans to, uh, to perhaps even uh, make more of a home over here. Very interesting and wide-ranging discussion with a little bit of controversy thrown in. So we started this chat by asking Andrew, what exactly is a beer giraffe? Well, the thing is, we do. I, I, the beer giraffe pretty much is just it's a it's a combination of brewer, um, spokesperson, all around um, kind of encouraging person who encourages people to drink good beer, uh, and pretty much just uh, the person who's uh, 
day-to-day life is uh, completely consumed by every aspect of the beer business, pretty much. Where does the idea of the giraffe come from? Uh, one of, uh, you might know, uh, Neil Miller. He's a contributor to Beer and Brewer magazine. Um, I do know Neil very well. Blog, but the, you know Neil very well. So, yeah, he, he coined that, uh, and it's just kind of stuck. Uh, mainly because I'm tall and I I brew beer, and that's how I became the giraffe. That's that's good enough, enough for us, Andrew. Yeah. Yep. Now, maybe, maybe we could go back. You haven't, uh, you know, you didn't grow up leaving school wanting to be a brewer. You uh, were a legal policy officer. No, the... well, I, I I I used to I used to be a lawyer. Uh, unfortunately, I I like to say that I I I've become honest. A lot of people study law and they find that beer is the beer is beer is the way to go. There's a, there's a huge amount of people from the ex-legal profession doing stuff towards beer. Yeah, I learned to drink beer and then went to a different bar. Is the way that I describe it. <laughs> yep. But the, the first uh, article ever written on me was from bar to bar. Is the title of it. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, you were a government lawyer essentially, um, and yep. what led you into brewing? Um, well, I've, I've been a, a big fan of craft beer from uh, probably since I was about 19 or 20, um, started drinking the Tuatara range uh, at the old malt house. And, and there's a, a subsequent, a newer malt house, which you've probably been to, and the old one was on Willow Street, and we used to get, we pretty much started getting uh, tasting paddles because it worked out cheaper than buying pints. Um, and uh, that was, and then I kind of just got into, you know, different flavours and, Orville kind of uh, really took me over the edge for it as well. And then pretty much from there, we started going to beer festivals, and I just really got into beer for a long time. I'd actually started drinking beer mugs when I was uh, 11 years old. Um, so I'd always been into beer, but I was into a- Empty ones, beer. I presume. Empty, empty, empty beer glasses. I, I collect them. Actually, I'm about to go to the pub where I've just donated my all my beer glass collection to a pub so it can be up on the wall. Uh, and mainly so my uh, fiancé doesn't yell at me for having too many beer mugs, which I already have, probably 100, and that's another 200 I've just donated away. Uh, anyway, so I got into that, and uh, yeah, I just got into drinking good beer, and then after a while, someone's like, well, would you want to try your hand at home brewing? Uh, and I was like, yeah, I've been meaning to do that for a while. I got into it, and within about six months, I, I was hooked. Uh, and within a year, I quit my job um, as a lawyer, a government lawyer, and then, uh, and then uh, yeah, got into home brewing, and then started working at Fork and Brewer. Um, they didn't have a brew pub up and running for a year, so I was just working behind the bar, and then I got hired to work for iMake, which has mangrove jacks and all the uh, uh, all the homebrew supply stuff, and became their no the beer man was my job title, beer category manager, pretty much, and um, yeah, and then I started behind part time, and uh, sold you know made some beer, and it started to get more popular, and then uh, it's been my full time gig for the last year and a half. And yeah, going pretty well. Just out of interest, you said that you've been, uh, you know, into craft beer since you were eighteen or nineteen. How old are you now? Thirty-one. Thirty-one. No, it, it's the, the reason I ask that is it's it's a really interesting. Uh, uh, um, oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? A generational change uh, taking place, and it's something a prophet I have often spoken about. That you know, people who are under around about thirty-six. Um, which means that they came of legal drinking age in Australia um, in a time post Little Creatures, which is yep. around about the time that I fixed as being the time that uh, you know in- more interesting beer became much more widely available. We suddenly had a, a brewer that was really pushing it out there. Um, and so people that have started drinking 
once craft beer is available, often have a very different story to tell about coming to craft beer than you know people who are my age who started drinking when there was pretty much only one type of beer um, commonly available. There might have been some exotic imports, but there wasn't easily obtainable uh, you know craft beer. I think I'm, I'd probably fall. I'd probably fall somewhere somewhere in between that. I guess then. Yeah, yeah. So so you were in the early stages, but you know, beers were certainly available, and you did have bars like the Malt House that were catering to people wanting to explore. Absolutely, they were one of probably only a few. They were probably one of like maybe three or four in all of New Zealand that really did it at that stage, um, and it was very much like that was the only place you could get it. You know, in supermarkets, you'd be lucky to find anything for a while, but. Um, yeah, things have changed with leaps, leaps and downs. Absolutely, um, it's, a, it's a huge, huge difference. Like most supermarkets, you can get at least some good craft beer in New Zealand now. Uh, it's still a work in progress, but it's uh, it's getting pretty damn good. But and, and again, you know, like I, I can find myself walking into a supermarket um, owned. Uh, bottle shop, not even the, the big box ones, the, the smaller ones, and they'll have you know a, a selection of 10, 15, 20 um, craft beers. They're probably not the most exotic or the most interesting or the, the most out there, but they'll have a range of beers that if you went back 10 years and you walked into a, uh, you know, a BWS, which is one of our supermarket ones, um, you, you, you would have been you know rubbing your hands in glee. And these days you walk in and go, oh, that's a little bit ho-hum. Yeah, it's, it's so lot. I can't believe how many when I'm because I was over in Sydney you know, a couple of weeks ago and uh, you know barrels in every every little mum and pup uh, liquor store they're everywhere now and it's great to see. Um, while you know a few years ago you you can find them here or there you know. And uh, so so tell us about setting up Behemoth from your uh, home brewing. How how did you make the transition to pro brewing? Yeah, I was pretty I was pretty. Uh, Fortunate the fact that I worked for I Make Mangrove Jacks, the big homebrew wholesale company. I went. My job was to make these fresh wort packs um, with some of the best breweries in New Zealand. Um, so I went and worked with the likes of Hallatau and Eight Wired and Mike's Brewing and a few other a few other guys um, and Twisted Hop. And you know, going in there and being making my beers uh, on a commercial scale uh, for homebrewers. Um, so that was that was quite. That was quite a good experience for me, and um, I've been I've been a beer geek way before I was a brewer, so I kind of knew all the brewers and all the breweries in New Zealand for a long time anyway. Um, so it was really just good, just uh, you know, seeing everyone else's processes, and then you know, coming up with my own things, and then uh, finally, uh, Twisted Hop, uh, nearly three years ago, said, "Well, why don't you make your beer here?" I'm like, "Well, okay." Um, oh, to start this all off, it's probably I should go back further before I. Between uh, Fork and Brewer and uh, working at iMake, I won this Wellington in the Pint competition, which was uh, four home brewers matched up with four commercial brewers. Uh, and we did the Celia Way Brown Ale, which is a copy brown ale named after the mayor of Wellington. Uh, and okay. we brewed that with Yeasty Boys. Um, so it was Andrew Childs and Yeasty Boys. And that's that's how it pretty much started. It was on billboards and it was a big deal. Like a big uh, advertising company was in charge of that. So you know, got some really good publicity. And uh, and then that was the first, when we started Behemoth, we just made that beer again with the permission of Yeasty Boys. They said, nah, it's yours, mate. And you, you know Stu and Sam, they're bloody good dudes. Um, yeah. And, yeah. So, and then we kind of went from there. We kind of already had, like, kind of had a, a name there. And then we started off from there. And now, at last count, we've done 40 beers in the last three years. Um, so we've been pretty prolific at getting new stuff out there. 
which is always fun. And, uh, yeah, just, you know, establishing the core range and then just doing fun stuff as well. And, uh, yeah, it's keeping us more than busy. And I believe that you're coming to Australia soon. Yeah, so we, uh, due to some uh, trademark issues with a, um, with a company that I shall not name, um, we cannot use Behemoth Brewing in Australia. You can't name, or you, you don't want to, or you just no. We've been we've been we're being threatened with uh, legal escalation, if I can use air quotation marks, and that. Um, so we've we've decided that uh, it's better for everyone if we just uh, use the name of our signature beer. Cheer Pale Ale is our main beer. Uh, it's our biggest seller, and uh, and it's just um, our, one of our core beers. And we decided just to to translate that into the name of our company for Australia, just so we can spend our time making beer and not spending it on trademark lawyers. And who was the, the, the brewery that had, had issues? Because I can't think of a behemoth brewing in Australia. No, it's not the name of, it's not the name of a, a, a company. It's the name of a beer. I, I, I don't really want to stir things up enough to, to, to say who it is, but it's someone who has the name behemoth in one of their beers. Okay. In one right. of the names Fair of their enough. beers. Yeah. I, I guess we're going to see a lot more of that, you know, once when there's only uh, two breweries um, and they've got fairly mainstream range of beers there's there's a lot of names uh there's not much chance of names clashing but when you're starting to get you know three four hundred breweries uh competing in the same marketplace um it, it can be a little bit harder to find unique names um and, and intellectual property is, is, is an important part of the business isn't it absolutely well yeah it, it, it is um we we've, we've tried to collaborate with people on and names and there's kind of a, there's a some guys in the states who had the same name and they decided to collaborate on instead of uh, going the litigation route. But you know, we if someone if someone had the name of Behemoth in their beer somewhere else, then we would probably talk to them about it and come to some kind of solution. But you know, we just uh, we just want to uh, continue on and and make and spend our main time making good beers. I mean, marketing is absolutely a great uh, big part of it, uh, and we have to, it has to be you know try and differentiate your stuff from other people's but at the end of the day it's all about having good beer and so tell us the the origin of chur so chur is a new zealand uh, colloquialism for cheers it, it just means cheers or something that's cool and people just like instead of saying cheers you'll say chur it's a very new zealand saying um so we've kind of, kind of uh, like, we've just like, run with that like because, sweet or yeah well like yeah we're, like new zealanders will say sweet as we're like chur sweet as it's it's you know it's just Way of saying something. It's a way of proving approving of something. that's like, oh, sure, well, that's pretty cool. Um, and yeah, just you know, uh, an appreciation. It's, it's something. You know, it's something that you appreciate. And so our New Zealand pale ale was like just jam packed full of New Zealand hops. So we thought, what better, what better name than uh, than sure to represent uh, a good New Zealand pale ale? And we've decided and to bring that over. And and we're trying to, for for us, we're trying to bring like a bit of New Zealand to Australia. Um, so for so Chur Brewing is like well it's something that's new, distinctly New Zealand, uh, and also there's a lot of Kiwis over there. Blatantly, there's a lot of Kiwis over there. You get a reference, uh, the reference because well, you probably know better than me how many uh, Kiwis there are in Australia. <laughs> and I'm surprised that nobody else has uh, taken Chur before now, before you. Yeah, I was surprised when I first lived in New Zealand and no one had done sure, but uh, I did my uh, due diligence on it and I was like, oh, no one has done this. Uh, it's the same with a lot of our things. We've got a beer called Tasty Beverage Extra Pale Ale. We were surprised that no one had taken that in-your-face double IPA, and we are like, well, it's because it's an in-your-face double IPA, uh, and no one had taken that. And we were just like, well, you know, like, actually, these are original names. It's just like you kind of think that someone would have done it, but no one has. And uh, it's, you know, we like to kind of describe our beers 
uh, the name of our beers kind of describe what they are. Which is how it should be, I guess. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your approach to brewing. You know, what, what's your motivation? What flavours do you try and derive? Is there a common theme between the, the beers that you make? We're a very hop-forward brewery, and uh, what, the way we structure our beers is pretty much chucking as much uh, late hop in and dry hop into that uh, while still, still being relatively balanced. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it, it's not an efficient way of making beer, but we like to think that the flavours that come out of brewing the way that we do, um, you get some pretty spectacular flavours out of it. You're actually calling me on the fresh hop day. We've got the fresh hop New Zealand. We've got our Cheech IPA and Chong IPA, which some of it will be Australia, available in Australia as well. Um, and you haven't run into brewing, any, of course. You haven't run into any uh, trademark or uh, issues with Cheech and Chong usage? Uh, I think we're going to be okay with uh, with the thirty odd kegs that we've done of each. They'll be they'll be uh, they'll be all sold by the time we uh, we've been in Australia for a week, uh, and all the New Zealand stock will be sold by next week. Uh, it's just a bit of fun. So uh, you do have to be a bit more careful when you've got bottled stock because they hang around for, for for a bit longer than kegs. But kegs, um, you can you can generally have a bit of fun. We did uh, dump the Trump American IPA, which made the newspapers over here. It's a kind of an anti Donald Trump beer, very very aggressively hoppy American pale ale. Um, and mention that little character cheerly. Yeah, we, we got into a bit of trouble from from a uh, overseas listener when we uh, had a go at Donald Trump. So we're going to get another email, no doubt. But we'll be discussing that oh, right. in the show notes. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, so we've 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 had we've had we like to have our, our pretty much our ethos of our of our company is is beer now is now fun. Like we want beer to be fun. It's a social beverage. It shouldn't be something that's taken too seriously. The only thing we t- take seriously is that make sure the beer is really good. But it's it's you know enjoying something delicious while you're talking a bit of crap with your mates, and that's you know that's that's what that's having good beer is all about. It's kind of a, it's, it's a social a social beverage. Uh, Andrew, the trip from uh, sort of across the Tasman is known as as one of the most expensive trade routes in the world for some uh, god unknown reason. Uh, are you planning yep. on brewing um, in New Zealand and sending it over, or are you looking at at the route that some others have taken recently, having their beer brewed uh, in Australia for a, for the Australian market. We're, we're sending stock over initially, uh, and uh, we don't know exactly how long we're going to be doing that for. But uh, the more long term goal is to be brewing in Australia, mainly because Australia's uh, it's, it's a gr- it's a great growing market for beer because people are really getting into it. Just being in Sydney. I, I always thought, oh, Sydney, I don't know what the scenes are like. I know Melbourne's got a great beer scene, but I was really blown away by how well Sydney's coming along. We just want to have beer over there that's fresh. Uh, if we bring it over, it's fresher. Uh, it'll be more affordable for the customer um, so they can actually, you know, they can have a reasonably priced pint. Uh, and we can, and I'll be over there a lot making sure the beer is exactly the way we want it to be tasted. So we're, we are we're definitely looking seriously at brewing over there as well. Yeah, uh, Andrew, have you spoken to, uh, like, had initial discussions with any Australian brewers, perhaps some who have who have done some work yep. for uh, for your Kiwi brethren uh, previously? Yeah, we we have. We're actually not going with the 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 people that have brewed New Zealand beers in the past, um, but we are, we have been in talks with uh, a good three or four different breweries in Australia, um, and been had some pretty positive discussions with them, um, and obviously the the beer quality is 
first and foremost. So we're talking to the the guys that we think make really good beer, uh, make really clean, solid beer, and 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 can uh, have the ability to make the kind of the hop forward beers that we're known for. Mate, I was just going back to the point you made about brewing beers fresh. Uh, you know, they're going to be fresher if you brew them in Australia. Um, Interesting because we get so many beers sent from Europe and the United States, for example, and a lot of people who are you know, enthusiastic about their beer sort of seek out the latest and the greatest uh, American beers that come a lot further than the relatively short trip um, from New Zealand. And they swear that you know, the, the, the beers are still going to be as fresh. Um, do you think that they're, you know, have, have you had the chance to try your beers here when they've been sent from New Zealand? Yeah, I have. Um, I'm not saying that the beers coming from New Zealand aren't going to be fresh because, to be fair, they can get there as, as short as a week. And to be fair, I've seen people in Australia drinking New Zealand beers before people in New Zealand get the chance to drink them. So that's not... It, it is... I think it's more... It is... The freshness is, is definitely a part of it because, well, we don't know how long things get held up in port and all that kind of stuff. But New Zealand ones have been pretty good. Like, I've had eight wired beers taste in, in Australia tasting as good as they've tasted in New Zealand. Um, which is great, and um, but yeah, American stuff. I'm pretty dubious about. I tend to not drink bottled American beers, uh, and you guys have a much better selection of American beers than we do in New Zealand. Um, oh, we've got some that you guys don't have, and you've got some that we don't have, but it's pretty good in Australia. But yeah, it, hops, hoppy beers don't travel very well. Um, and uh, to be fair, I, I think. Uh, Australia's starting to mix some the guys like a uh, Pirate Life and a few other guys who are making some really awesome hoppy beers in Australia. Um, I think like drinking local is best, and I'm I'm a beer geek too. I like to try stuff from Stone and Dogfish Head and and other and other guys. Um, but you got to take it with a grain of salt because you know I've tried those beers in America, and in America they taste freaking amazing uh but then they're, they're kind of a, a they can be a, a shadow of their former selves in, in australia and new zealand sometimes and because that brings in a whole lot of uh, you know, interesting dynamics to, to the beer market it was something that we spoke to charlie bamforth um the um uc davis beer professor um recently and he was talking about you know beer really only has terroir if you're drinking it in the place that it was brewed um, because unlike wine, um, which is designed to be stored for a long time, beer is something that should be drunk fresh. Um, and a, a whole lot of people, you, you, you see chat rooms and you see Twitter discussions where people panning beers that you know have been sent long distances, have been sitting on shelves for who, who knows how long and their provenance and uh, transport conditions are, are very unknown. And yet they're, you know, criticising them as being underwhelming or, uh, you know, not what they expected. But they're not trying it in the way that the beer was brewed and intended at the same time. And uh, it's just something that Prof and I have discussed um, quite a bit. And, you know, I, I really think that that is one of the powerful things about beer is rather than sitting at home and waiting for the beer to come to you, one of the great joys is travelling and having beer fresh at its source or as close to the source as possible. Absolutely. And that's so uh, beer tourism is becoming a really big thing. Um, I know all the tourism I do is beer tourism, and uh, sometimes the fiancé likes that and sometimes she doesn't. Um, but that's it, it, drink, there's nothing like going to a brewery and drinking straight from the brewery exactly how the brewer wanted it to be. Um, that, you know, or having it on a, a pub, you know, within, you know, 50 k's of, of where it's brewed. Um, it's, it, it's something 
it, you're always going to get the best result that way. Um, and putting it in bottles and cans, you, you still get good beer, but you know, having it fresh on tap uh, to the source, that's, uh, that's pretty special. Uh, Andrew, now a lot of our um, Australian listeners will be uh, keen for a bit of an update. And for those who, who don't know, a uh, bit of a nasty incident while you were brewing uh, at Eight Wired uh, just before Christmas last year, September. Sorry. Yeah, so it's been yeah, so it's been about seven months now, um, and uh, yeah, it, it was pretty nasty. I was in uh, so the, the, what happened is uh, we were brewing in your face uh, double I, our double IPA for the first time, um, and uh, we were chucking in a twenty minute, uh, oh, actually sorry, ten minute Columbus Hop Edition. Um, and that's uh, the kettle erupted when we went to open the kettle, and it covered me and Jason Bathgate in um, an 101-degree uh, boiling uh, unfermented beer. Um, we both sustained burns for about 40% of our bodies, um, and I was in Middlemore Hospital, the National Burns Unit, for about five weeks. Jason was in there about seven weeks, uh, and there was months and months of recovery. Uh, we have, uh, we'll have some scars for the rest of our lives, but we have to wear this compression gear on the top half of our bodies, um, which looks like, you know, um, uh, stuff that athletes wear, and I'm, I'm definitely not an athlete, but I have to wear it for... Originally, it was meant to be for two years, but um, I, I, since the healing's been going quite well, it might only be for another six months or another five months now, so it might be a year instead of two years, which I'd be very happy about. Uh, all the scars have to be moisturised three times a day uh, and stuff like that, so that it's it, it, it was painful for a long time, and we were on a lot of pretty heavy drugs and morphine and ketamine and all sorts of other crazy things. Uh, but now it's just uh, kind of just built into a daily routine. Uh, scar management, making sure that it's, uh, it's the scars for the rest of our lives turn out as, uh, as pleasant as they possibly can be, yeah. And so the, the warning, I guess, for, for other brewers, was there, um, looking back now, uh, procedures to put in place or that, or that um, you know, how do we improve as, a, as an uh, industry, was, I guess, because... Yeah. It, so that, with that, so on, in that, it was definitely a freak accident. There was no, there were no procedures that really weren't put in place as such. We were pretty lucky that um, one of the owners, Monique Erickson, she used to be a, uh, she used to be a physio and, and specialised in burn stuff, so she knew exactly what to do. Um, and we were pretty lucky on that. It was pretty much uh, the really just um, paying attention to how full the kettle is um, and watching out for, for, for boil overs. Like, this wasn't a boil over. Um, a boil over kind of triples over the edge, and it can burn you, don't get me wrong, but this uh, kind of exploded out, um, and half the tank got empty. So it was a change. There was a, a chimney on the on the tank to try and alleviate the pressure, but uh, there must be it must have been blocked or something else happened uh, to, to cause a build-up in pressure. I've only heard of something similar happening once in the States ever, and you can imagine how many brews are beers over the world every day. Uh, but yeah, definitely just uh, to brewers, just to pay attention, make sure that you're you're not in the brew house alone, um, and a lot of times because if anything bad happens, uh, say you're knocked unconscious or something, and you're brewing by yourself, then you know you could be stuck there overnight, and uh, it could be too late for you. You just need to make sure that you know people know what's happening, and and, and uh, that you've got more than one person around, uh, and that uh, yeah you have uh, all the uh, procedures in place just in case anything happens if anything goes wrong make sure you've got uh you know an emergency shower there or uh you know there's the amount of chemicals and, and hot things that are in the brewery that you just need to be treated like any kind of uh workplace that has potentially hazardous things around and just be prepared 
Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a good lesson, I guess, uh, a reminder that um, for all the talk of of craft and art and artisans and all that sort of stuff, um, it's still very much in in many ways it's a, it's an industrial process. Absolutely, but it's, brewing brewing is an absolute industrial. You can you can have as much um, talk around how you know non manufactured beer is being is is, manu- is manufactured. I mean, and we do it lovingly. We we put everything into it, but it, it is still manufacturing. A, a product and 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 we have to treat it as and treat it with the care as as manufacturers do. But you, just uh, give us a bit of a timeline about when we can expect to see the beers in Australia, I guess. So in Australia, we are getting we're bringing uh, beers over. We have a full stand at Gabs, um, so you'll be able to see us all there with uh, between six and eight beers being poured, um, and we will be at the Catfish on the Thursday of Good Beer Week, uh, and we will be at uh, the Alehouse Project on the Saturday of Good Beer Week as well. We'll uh, make sure that we link to those events on the GABS website. Um, are you going to be doing a wider tour or are you just limiting yourself to Melbourne? We're limiting ourselves to Melbourne at the moment. I think we'll probably go Melbourne and then we'll look at Sydney and Brisbane um, will be our main ones, but we're definitely going to start off in Melbourne. Um, I've got a lot of connections in Melbourne. I've got family over there, and uh, our distributor is based out in Melbourne. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's going to be. If we look at it in terms of population, Melbourne has approximately the population of New Zealand. So I'm thinking, you know, having uh, our, our first foray into Australia being uh, a place that has the population of the place that I live is probably a good start. But that we look forward to uh, catching up with you in Melbourne. And when you get to Brisbane, make sure you let me know so we can uh, catch up for a, maybe a quiet beer. I think uh, a quiet one and maybe even a, a less than quiet one would be fun. <laughs> to, Bob, is there anything else before we uh, let Andrew go? You don't know because Andrew's no, 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 been that's... sitting in his car and you, you, you probably pulled out at the front of, the de- of your destination now, I think. Pulled over to the side of the road so I can figure out where the hell I'm going anyway. <laughs> Terrific. <laughs> Well, Andrew Childs, thank you very much for joining us uh, on Radio Brews News, and we look forward to catching up with you in Melbourne. And uh, I, I guess now, just uh, so I can sound like I know what I'm talking about, I just uh, sign off by saying chur, or do I should I have started uh, this whole conversation by saying chur? Uh, you can just say chur. Chur, chur is a universal. Yeah, it's, you can pretty much say it for anything. So yeah, chur to you guys. In the garden, what a garden. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. There you go, Prof. Andrew Childs, lovely bloke. Look, hopefully we can catch up with him uh, when he's in Melbourne. Yeah, and as I say, just a, just one of one of beers, genuinely nice people. And I um, I wrote a bit of a letter when the uh, the brewing accident happened, just to you know, let, on behalf of, of us, to sort of let him know that you know we're thinking of him and wishing him a speedy recovery. And it's good to see that um, you know whilst there's obviously. Major industrial accident um, that his spirits are up and uh, and, and there we know sort of I guess. Uh, not the lasting damage that there um, that there could have been. 
Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it is. Uh, and it, was it that accident that prompted you to write? Uh, your, no, I'd actually, no, I'd written, I'd written that long before. Um, but it was, and, it, and that's why I guess, you know, I was interested to find out, uh, was it one of those things that you can, you know, can you, can you put a, a, you know, a note on a, a warning sheet or, a, you know, on the above the hand basin when you when you wash your hands so you, you're getting the message? But it's, it's just one of those things, I guess, uh, of just being aware. Well, there you go. So, uh, but no, it was a great chat with Andrew, and uh, yeah, I look forward. I haven't tried any of his beers, so I look forward to trying the uh, Chur range. Uh, well, as you know, we, we often talk about it does what it says on the label. Um, the uh, the beers that I've had of his uh, definitely do what they say on the label. They, um, they, there's no uh, truth in labelling, um, mystery or uh, conjecture to be found therein. If it's a, if it's a, he brews hop forward. Um, very Moorish beers, um, and that's, you know, bang on. Beautiful. Now, uh, probably might go to Cards and Letters, so Lockie, hit us with the Cards and Letters song. Lockie's having a good week judging by that, Prof? I think so. Do you reckon anyone actually believes that we hear it before they do? Mm, I don't ever listen to it back, to be honest, so I never know what it is. (laughs) Oh, sorry, you should cut that bit out, Lockie. Now, go on, Matt. Cards and letters, what do we got? Um, No iTunes reviews. Come on, people. Um, If you listen to us, uh, you're getting us for free. At least jump onto iTunes or your favourite podcast platform and leave a little review. Help other people find us. Tell us what you think, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, Now... Prof, uh, we, we did get a, a very interesting... Actually, did, uh, no, we'll start with this one. Okay, so while you're on holidays... Another six-pack. Um, I, I can hear that phone again. No, that's not my phone. All right. No, What's your dishwasher then? Go on. Okay, go on. Um, <laughs> listen to the playback, Lockie. No, I'm downstairs in the dungeon take because a neighbour was arc welding or something, so uh, <laughs> that's why you haven't heard any planes um, this time. Um, there we go. Okay, now I'll, I'll read this email out because it's a little bit different to most of the emails we get, and it was a little bit, I wasn't quite sure exactly what it was getting at when we received it, but um, it, it was actually sent to James, um, our editor. Um, but he said, Dear James, I would like to give you a piece of my mind, but to be fair, the good side too. I enjoyed your last two interviews, 99%. Um, I think that must have been the Pete Brown. Was it the, let's see, this was the 30th of March, so. Yeah, when this came out, the, looking back, I think it must be the Pete Brown and the Charlie Bamforth, mm. I, I think. Or there might have been one in between. Uh, so anyway, back to, back to so. Anyway, yeah. we'll work that out. So nice to hear solid interview skills and great guests. Thank you very much. Um, yes, we, we've had really good feedback from those two, and. We did try and get in, in, the, in the same room for this one, but that didn't quite happen. Um, but only when you stuck to what you obviously know heaps about, beer and brewing. As soon as you guys go off topic and into the deep blue of politics, I've got to switch off. I found your comments about Americans and Donald Trump way out of line. Ignorant, in fact. It just showed you knew nothing about the dilemmas Americans face. Nothing at all. Your foundless pinko view points add nothing to the show. Worse, when you espoused your cucked, C-U-C-K-E-D, um, I'm presuming that's a typo, left-wing views on sexism. You just don't know how stupid it sounded. I, for one, don't want to hear the drone of socialist propaganda, femo-Nazi nastiness, 
or politically brainwashed moronic dribble while keenly listening to a show on beer. You only made me pity you. What on earth happened to you on your life? Start up another podcast on politics of that's if that's your thing and don't screw up this one. Stay on the topic, beer. It is good advice, mate. For the record, I love women. I respect them too. My mother was one. Happy if you read this out. Sincerely, John Rocket, Wildman Brewing, Philippines. Um, okay, there's a couple of things about that, Prof. Um, first of all, look, Mate, Listeners, if, if you're out there, can you yeah, phone in, send us a comment, somebody tell us what we, I, I can't remember what we said, apart from a, well, a, a an obviously tongue-in-cheek throwaway line to, to kickstart the Charlie Bamforth, um, remembering that was in a, in a room of 60-odd um, beer lovers, and it was a, you know, what the hell's going on with Donald Trump over there, that, and that was about it. That I can yeah. remember. Oh, look, it was a throwaway line because Charlie had said something about Trump. But, sorry, John, um, and to, to just take the, the podcast off the uh, topic of beer for one minute, um, if Donald Trump is the answer, then the question is fucking unintelligible. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, don't I, know, I, 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 I can't remember either what we what we spoke about in terms I of um, Feminazi Pinko... Well, <laughs> um, I can't remember what we talked apart from unless it was a couple of episodes earlier we did mention in in terms of um, you know what we thought of their their marketing strategy um, and that was for the, yeah, for the crafty the, the, Bavarian we, we touched on that um, but again I, 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 I don't think in a significant way and then also when we spoke to Emily Day about Froth magazine we sort of asked whether she'd experienced any um, you know mansplaining or anything like that. To, yeah yeah any barriers yeah. to um, uh, Yes, to, to women in craft beer, which I thought was a relevant, a relevant, um, you know, question to ask. Which again, um, you know, I it was prefaced by saying, you know, like we're two privileged middle class white guys. Um, we don't really have a frame of reference, you know. And I, I have certain views yeah. about it that I have actually, you know, been accused of uh, certain things that actually aren't being a feminist. Femo Nazi socialist propaganda, and uh, in fact, going the other way, <laughs> ironically yeah. enough. Um, give, give and hello to our friends of... in Biavana. <laughs> yes, you know, which, um, yeah, so maybe it's nice to be criticized for being, you know, maybe if I'm being criticized for being a socialist, feminist, um, you know, sympathizer um, for a change, maybe, you know, I'm finding that middle way. I don't know. If both sides are criticizing you, then maybe you, yeah, you, you're thanks, in a good place. Thanks, but... thanks for the letter. Yeah, no, absolutely. Was it Oscar Wilde? He said, the only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. So, yeah. But look, you know, uh, and just on his first point about that we should stick to beer and brewing, um, I actually think that that makes beer, you know, irrelevant because beer is very much a product of its times and its, um, you know, the craft it's, yeah, it's cultural context. Yeah, it doesn't take place in isolation. Um, and the trend towards boring lagers didn't take place in cultural isolation. And, uh, you know, you know, whilst you can be criticised for using a generic throwaway line, catch-all phrase that isn't used to actually define a type such as hipster, 
Um, yeah. There is, you know... Or a cop in the case of uh, Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Not that we, um, not that we called him that. But there, there is a social movement happening of which craft beer is an expression. Um, elements of the craft beer, are, you know, are, are an expression. And then there's a wider social movement, you know, that people are looking for a different experience. They may not be digging, you know, deep into brewery histories and hop varieties and stuff like that, but they are looking for a different experience for beer. And that is part of a cultural trend. And culture is also defined by things like the rise of Donald Trump on one hand or, you know, the rise of political correctness. And in, in Brisbane, we had a very interesting um, a, a Vietnamese restaurant called Uncle Ho uh, opened up and there was much outrage about cultural, um, you know, imposition and you know, imposing on cultural heritage and inappropriateness. And, uh, you know, that's all part of the, the discussion. And so, we, yeah. Hey, so, Matt, yeah, I mean, this, yeah. this will probably only amuse you and I, if you can remember it, but at least Uncle Ho was... Because presumably that was, you know, the name of the proprietor. So no, just, no, be, just no, be thankful no. that, that when we're, no, you yeah. and I were in, uh, in Sydney recently, we had, a, um, we had a, um, an Uber driver called Kun Song. Now, I mean, he'd never be able to open a restaurant, would he? No, he wouldn't, but the proprietor wasn't Ho. It was a Danish lady uh, or a Norwegian lady who'd moved to Australia and uh, it was named after Ho Chi Minh. And so there was much, you know, outrage over the... Uh, oh, you know. okay. So it wasn't a so, uh, Hosby, you know, no. uh, okay, pimp and bitches. Got it. Okay. Sorry, yeah. I misread that. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That no, was a Vietnamese restaurant named after Ho Chi Minh. So, um, right, okay. The, the, the very um, strong Vietnamese community up here um, in, on offside. So, yeah, craft beer yeah, does... Enough. Or within a social context, and I, I think that if you limit yourself just talking to beer, then we might end up disappearing, um, you know, into the craft oh. beer bubble, as uh, at least one reader recently uh, accused us of. Um, so, and actually, have there been any interesting discussions on? Uh, oh, anyway, I, look, I think that's a, a fairly random. That, that'll show. do us. Yeah. Have, have yeah. we sounded defensive today, or you know? Offensive or defensive, did you say? Defensive. Or offensive. I, I don't know. No, no, I stick by everything yeah. I said. There's more yeah, to come. If you, re if you reckon that's as bad as I get, I'm, you know, I'm heading to 52 this year, so I'm only going to get more cranky-assed and less worried about <laughs> what people think. So <laughs> and more out strap of yourselves in, bitches. It's going to happen. What's that? <laughs> and more out of touch with the kids as well. Yeah, exactly. No, nah, not if I keep potato. Actually... Would you well see? I mean, that in itself, Prof, you know, may date you because, uh, um, you know, Matt, we're gonna have to wrap up because I need clothes. I've got to go out and pop some tags. You'll have to excuse me. <laughs> okay, Prof. So, yeah, love, love to all in the beer community, and uh, yeah, hopefully, we haven't, you know, just talking, uh, you know, I, I don't think we've set out to, we haven't set out to upset anybody anyway. So apologies if uh, feathers have been ruffled. Um, but, uh, yeah, Prof, always good to chat. Um, are we going to have the chance to catch up, or who are we catching up with next week? Uh, well, hopefully um, trying to get back to... We were to have... Um, I can't remember if we actually uh, preempted it, but um, Siobhan Karen from um, Good Beer Week and also who's involved with the um, uh, RASB, the Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria, with the AIBAs coming up uh, in the, about three weeks' time. Uh, but look, unfortunately, just with her Good Beer Week 
uh, director duties. She's just uh, absolutely snowed under at the moment. So it was great of Andrew to switch around and, and jump in a bit earlier. Uh, so we'll try and, um, in the nicest possible way, have another crack at Chev next week. That sounds good. And as I said, you know, I'm just wondering whether we uh, speak to Scotty Vincent, um, who we haven't spoken to for some time, about uh, McCracken's um, and maybe, you know, even have a chat to some of the things we talked about, CB's marketing with Tim Avadia again, who we haven't spoken to in uh, over a year and haven't seen too much from CB. So who else have we got lined up to, to speak to, Prof? There's some, uh... Uh, I've, got a, I've got a list, but um, I've just got, to, just got to confirm a couple. But I have some very interesting uh, and relevant guests coming up. Terrific. Okay, Prof. Mate, always good to chat. Wish you could have been in the same room, but uh, we'll talk again next week. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, listeners. And we're out.